My name is Lindsay Fleming, and today I have with me Kristen Colbert Baker, a seasoned executive who spent the majority of her career working for several different global companies in finance. But later in your career, you kind of transitioned as the global director of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Mars. Mm -hmm. Now you spend your time on the board of directors for Del Monte Fresh and Compassion International. But for some of those of, of our audience who may not know your story or your journey, why don't you just share kind of share your journey of how you got to where you are today? Mm. Sure. So I, I graduated from Wheaton College in 1986, I knew I wanted to do business, but that's about as specific as I could right. be. And I spent a couple of years working in DC and realized fairly quickly that it, I wanted to get a graduate degree. So I went back, got an MBA at the University of Virginia, and from there joined what was at the time PepsiCo restaurants. Mm -hmm. So KFC, Taco Bell, Pizza mm -hmm. Hut. Started out in a strategy role and then pretty quickly moved into finance, which mm -hmm. was the normal mode. And finance was a great fit for me okay. because I loved math growing up. I loved I'm glad there are people like you because for <laughs> me, I did not love math. So I'm thankful yes. for people like you. So I, thanks. <laughs> I loved math. I loved calculating. I loved figuring out mm -hmm. the most correct answer. Um, I liked that it was a representative of, of the expectation for different business ideas. Okay. I loved that you could actually project out mm -hmm. what you might expect the financial outcome right. to be for different business mm -hmm. ideas. So I did finance for 20 years across three or four different companies, and I really loved it. Mm -hmm. But there came a time towards the end of that 20 years where I started to realize that the parts of my role that I really enjoyed the most okay. had to do with leadership and people development. And at the time, I was with Mars Incorporated, which mm -hmm. is a very people-centric organization that actually encourages mm -hmm. cross-functional moves. Okay. So with, with some encouragement from colleagues, I jumped into a global talent role and over the last 10 years of my career have done roles in global talent, in leadership development, and then more recently in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay. So tell us, like, what was the jump like to go from finance, predictability, know the outcomes, can calculate it, it's, it's logical, reasonable, to dealing with people? Because people are anything but predictable, right? right? I mean, we come with stories and we're a little messy, have a little baggage. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Mm -hmm. So how does someone who just excelled on in kind of that logical financial world make that jump? Yeah, I would, there was part of it that was difficult and then there was part of it that was so refreshing. Mm -hmm. So the difficult part was, just as you described, most of the time in finance meetings, there's one mostly right answer. Right. And so there's not a lot of debate. Right. Um, you can look at a couple of different models, but you pick which one exactly. is the best. Right. So I, I missed that occasionally. Um, but... What I really loved is the complexity mm -hmm. of 
not just the complexity of an individual, but when you put an individual in the context of a team, let's say six or eight people, the multiple facets of complexity that you're dealing with in helping support them in being even more effective to realize the business vision, the, the strategy outcomes, et cetera, was challenging mm-hmm. and just more fun for me right. at that stage of my career. So it was, there were some things that were a lot more fun and challenging. Mm-hmm. There are a few things that I missed, but on the whole, I never looked back. Okay. So it really just kind of allowed you to use your mind in a whole new way. Mm-hmm. What was like uh, something that you still remember to this day? Do you have like one example or story that just really still sticks with you or maybe you didn't quite nail it the first time, but you learned a lot from that experience, maybe something that didn't go quite quite right or that one exact answer like you see on kind of the financial side, mm. on the people side, but you still learned a lot. It was still super valuable to you. Yeah. I, I think the biggest transition that I stumbled over multiple times was the the notion of needing to bring people along and in, you you have to do that in any in any role as a leader but in a people oriented role there are typically more stakeholders with more diverse opinions who sometimes need a little bit more handholding right so the time investment required mm-hmm. to bring people along to realize a vision together is much more challenging. And I simply missed that okay. in the beginning and didn't invest enough time and, and would turn around and say, well, well, where is everybody? <laughs> because I didn't do a good job of bringing people along. Okay. So that was something that I I learned pretty quickly. I, I absolutely have to invest more time to ensure that all voices are heard and honored with the solution that we choose so that everybody has the same amount of energy and passion in moving forward. Great answer. I love that. Speaking of hearing when you said all the voices being heard, that makes me think of your role that you have at diver- with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Someone might be like, tell me, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like complicated and you might stumble and make the wrong decision. Like, how do you how do you make sure all those voices are heard? And what yeah. does that role really mean to someone who who might not have had that position in their corporation? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And I've I was in the the DEI space for a year and a half full time, and I saw it practiced differently across different organizations. For Mars, it was absolutely tied to our business strategy, and there were three specific goals, one of which was that all of our management teams, and we have about Mm -hmm. 110 business units, all of our management teams would be gender balanced by the year 2025. So that was one goal that we had. A second goal was that the management teams, same management Mm -hmm. teams, would be representative of the countries in which they do business. Okay. So for example, in the United States, there are a dozen business units Mm -hmm. for Mars. The majority of the management team members are British or French. Okay. So we actually don't have Americans 
in the American business units to the extent that we wanted. Okay. So those are a couple of tangible goals that we had related mm-hmm. to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I've um, I've seen other organizations where they want to make their workplace the friendliest workplace for parents mm-hmm. returning after a new baby is born. Okay. So they go about adding maternity and paternity yeah. leave they have support groups right. when parents come back. They have nursing rooms mm-hmm. for mothers. Yep. So it depends on what you're trying to accomplish, sure. the strategies that you'll put in place. But essentially, diversity, equity, and inclusion is about making sure that all of the populations that you want to mm-hmm. be a part of your workforce feel that they can thrive in your environment, in your culture, and recognizing that most organizations need to make some changes in order for everybody to feel respected, valued, Mm -hmm. safe, and a sense of belonging. And that seems like with some established cultures or corporations, that, you know, is something that they're having to add or Mm -hmm. adjusting to. And so do you see that a lot? I'm sure even as you not even at Mars necessarily, obviously they've jumped on board and have that, but other colleagues that you have, you know, mm. people are having to adapt across yeah. different segments, I would yeah. would think. It's, um, I, I said to, as I mentioned, I was in the DEI space only for a year and a half full time, but I talked to a number of people in the space and said, I don't know how you do this for four or five years because there is, there are varying levels of resistance right. to change, yeah. any kind of change. Right. And this is a fairly emotive topic. Mm-hmm. And it with takes, a broad spectrum yeah. of where where you want to land as mm-hmm. an individual or a corporation or management style, you know. Right. So it can right. vary. And it's um there there is a sense of I think the biggest thing I learned in the DEI space was there is a very strong sense of a zero-sum game, Mm -hmm. meaning that many people believe that if if there is a Latina woman who is promoted to sit at this table, there's not going to be room for me, for example. As opposed to imagining that the whole size of the table is going to expand Mm -hmm. and we're going to make even more room for more diverse people Mm -hmm. because we know that diverse teams produce greater sales growth and higher EBITDA margin. And who wouldn't want that if you're in business? So that the toughest thing is getting people to have a mindset of abundance mm-hmm. and realize right. there's room at the table for everyone. I think that's a great, I wouldn't have thought of that directly, right? I would have thought, oh, the spot is filled. So that's a great way to say it, that the table is getting larger. Mm-hmm. And more voices, obviously, we need to be refined by all the different voices. So yes, love that. Speaking of just large corporations across the globe, you're a believer. How did mm-hmm. you how did you intersect faith and work? Or what does that mean to you as someone um, who obviously is very entrenched into the corporate mm-hmm. sector, but also seeing that faith is important? How did you blend the two? Yeah. 
I, um, I would say early on, I didn't do it well. Mm-hmm. I thought of, and it wasn't just faith. I thought of my work life and mm-hmm. my work persona as distinct from my not work life and my not work persona. So I, I didn't really even think about it. It's not that I behaved in ways intentionally that were not like Christ in the workplace. I just didn't take an approach to attempt to integrate it. As I, you know, gained in confidence Mm -hmm. in my career, what I, I found two things. One, people are eminently open Mm -hmm. to conversations about faith as long as they don't sense judgment. Right. And had fascinating conversations mm-hmm. over the years. I then later uh, started initiating occasionally, or I would offer, can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. If somebody was sharing with me a difficult, a difficulty in their own life. And I never had anybody Say no. turn me down. And I would always preface it by saying, I've got a question for you. This may come across as very weird mm-hmm. and I want you to know that no is a completely fine answer. Right. May I pray for you? Mm-hmm. And so that was one way that that was very easy and natural for me. I also found that when I talked about faith, there's a lot more people in the mm-hmm. workforce that practice faith than I would have imagined 20 years ago. It may not be the Christian faith, right? but... People are much more open to talking about faith if someone else initiates it. And I think everybody is looking to a certain degree. Maybe it's we're all in a different where we are in our timeline of faith is different, but mm-hmm. there is a lot of there are a lot of people that are looking, and we all are living real lives. So yeah. there is a lot of heartaches and heartbreaks and disappointments and just hard things that we deal with to so have someone come and encourage you. Yeah. Is you know, you can just be, and if you're authentic in that way, that mm-hmm. probably really resonates with them, regardless yeah. of the situation. Yeah. One other thing um, you shared at this conference was you you touched on your life purpose. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling it kind of all connects, but you didn't, we didn't have time in that segment for you to really dive into it. But I'd love for you to share um maybe a little bit more about that, Mm -hmm. how you discovered it a little bit later in life, how we're not behind if we haven't. (laughs) Um, So reassure us in the audience, um, just speak to life purpose. Yeah, yeah. So I- Because it's such a small topic, by uh, the way, you know, it's just life purpose, just wrap it up in a few bullet points, you know. Yeah, and I, I think it can be, like, I think I resisted defining life purpose earlier on because I thought, well, what if, I define it and then it doesn't really fit for me five years down the road. Why I thought it was a once and forever thing, I'm not sure. I was definitely stuck in a fixed mindset. But I I discovered it, I say. I had, um, when I was at PepsiCo, my good friend Kate Anderson and I founded Women of PepsiCo in 1992, a long time ago. And it was the start of the women's network because mm-hmm. women were and likely still are in the minority sure. in the organization. And sometimes there's unique challenges that women face. And so we we started this network mm-hmm. without knowing where it would go and right. how eventually it would explode around the globe. 
So fast forward, I joined Mars in 2007 and I'm there for a few weeks. And I, I ask my colleague, head of HR, hey, where, like, what are the women's networks or the other networks? And he said, oh, there, there are no networks. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean there aren't, there's not a women's network? That's like crazy. This is, you know, this is 15 years later. Come on. Um, so there wasn't a women's network. And so fast forward, it's um, 2015, 16, and I'm, I'm heading up leadership development for Mars. And occasionally I'm visiting some of the programs that are running. And every time it's the first break of the morning and I'm standing mm -hmm. towards the yeah. back and people are going out to get a coffee and they come back in and without fail, I've got one or two women come up to me and go, they kind of hem and haw, yeah. and eventually the question comes, do you know anything that's specifically for women mm -hmm. in the organization? And I have to say, no, there are no women's networks. There are There is no female-specific mm -hmm. development opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm marinating on this, and I realize... I have to do this. Mm -hmm. I have to lead the charge in establishing a bespoke development program for women. Mm -hmm. And we did some research to yeah. figure out where it was going to be most effective and went to my boss and said, hey, this is something I'm going to mm -hmm. do. And he said, nope. I said, what? <laughs> yeah. He said, no, it's not needed. I said, okay. So then I did something I've rarely done. I went above my boss's head mm -hmm. to my boss's boss. And I said, this is something I'm going to do. And he said, no, no, not needed. This is, no, I, this is going to be divisive. And so I thought about it for a couple of days. And I went back to both men mm -hmm. and said, you may choose to fire me, but I am doing this program. I am partnering with Harvard I've got a couple of professors that I know who do research in this area, the unique challenges that women face in corporations. I've already designed the curricula with them. We're, we're doing this. Yeah. And uh, fast forward a few weeks, nominations for the program are rolling in. We okay. had space for 50. And within 24 hours, we had 117 nominations. No need for the program. So it's, it's, yeah. I am very proud to say that in 2021, the program rolled globally oh, and has only accelerated further since then. Oh, that's awesome. To so see my, all of that mm -hmm. to say, I realized through that whole experience that when I boil it all down, my life purpose is advancing female leaders. Mm -hmm. I am passionate about advancing female leaders. I've done it over the whole of my life mm -hmm. in different ways, Wait. little and big. Mm -hmm. But that's the topic that I could go without sleep for days when I'm working on advancing female leaders. And you that's never it. get you never get tired. Never of get tired working on that one. Mm -hmm. So, thanks for sharing that. And as a female in the workplace, there aren't many opportunities for the for developing female leaders. Right. I worked in medical devices, a uh, very male heavy industry. Um, 
and while I enjoyed that, I enjoyed the environment I was in, there are times and situations that you just can't explain. And so mm-hmm. having groups like that would be such a tremendous resource. Mm-hmm. But what are you doing for fun now? You're on two boards. Yes. So what what do you enjoy about that setting that you're still using probably some of your same uh, skill sets, obviously. Right. That's why you're there. But what what is the fun part about being on the boards? What are you enjoying most? Yeah, it's a great question. I love, I mean, one of the responsibilities of the board is hiring and firing the CEO. Mm-hmm. Another one of the responsibilities is participating in and supporting the CEO and the team in developing a strategy to win in the marketplace. And given that I've grown up and been in lots of branded consumer companies, I've just gleaned a lot of experience around strategy and strategizing in very dynamic branded consumer companies. Mm -hmm. So I... What I enjoy most about serving on boards is when I can take some of that experience and bring it to bear for a new company in a new industry where I'm learning mm-hmm. because it's an industry that I'm not familiar with. Right. And the company's benefiting because I'm bringing some skill and expertise that they might not have had otherwise. That's great. Because as of February, you've kind of slowed down a little bit, right? You're stepped away from that previous role. Right. So what are you looking to do for fun now that you probably have, I don't know, I don't, I might be assuming, but you might have a little extra free time. Yeah. I hope to. You hope to. I'm still in the uh, settling in. So I'm on two boards. I expect to uh, join a third. And then my other, the other prong is I'm I'm hopeful that I can launch a mentoring program for female economic students at Wheaton College. Great. So working on that um, that proposal and mm-hmm. getting a lot of feedback to make to make the first round as impactful as possible. So continuing on your life purpose mm-hmm. and not staying uh, very still for very long. It sounds like <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks so much for sitting down with me today and just talking over some of these topics. So we really appreciate your time. You bet. Thank you.